You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1105 of the Lockdown Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Thursday evening into Friday morning. And today's podcast is brought to you by the folks at McDonald's, probably serving the community for over 50 years. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty and affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. In today's podcast, we'll break down what became an 11-point loss for the Hawks in Washington, a 122-111 to final against the Wizards on this evening, the second round of a back-to-back for both teams. And as we get into it, we'll talk about the Hawks' defense and how shaky it was on this night. Offensively, it was okay, not nothing great offensively, and honestly, a game that the Hawks probably should win more often than not as the better team in my mind. But we'll get into all of that, as we always do on the podcast. And if you're a new listener, welcome aboard. We'll talk about every angle of this particular contest and look ahead to the future at the end of the podcast. Uh, coming into the night, the Hawks were pretty healthy. Um, they did have some busy injury reports to uh, sift through, but in the end, everybody that was on their injury report, other than Aneka Kongwu, who rents out until at least December or January, everybody else played in this game. Trey Young was probable with left shin soreness. Kevin Herter was probable with ankle soreness of his own. The both guys played. Um, Bogdan Bogdanovich and Lou Williams were both questionable with right ankle soreness on both fronts. They both warmed up before the game, before the, any, any final indication actually happened, but they ended up playing in this game as well. And I said it again last night on the show, but I'll mention it one more time. Um, even more so in this game because Lou Williams was able to play. This is basically the healthiest the Hawks have been the entire time they've had this regime in place. You know, obviously they signed Magdanovich and Gallinari with all those investments last year. They had Capella for the first time last season, and they basically have gone in a different direction and been much better, of course, and uh, you know, deeper, fuller roster. But last year they had so many injuries, and they really were never healthy. This year, two games in a row, and again, even more so tonight because Lou ended up playing. They had almost their entire roster available. Akongu was obviously a key part of the team, but um, if you, you know, realize that they also have Gorgie Jang and some more depth there with Gallinari and Collins, etc., this is the best roster they've had available basically at any point in this Hawks run. And, of course, they lost this game, but obviously a pretty positive thing that they're uh, pretty darn healthy right now when it comes to guys who are, being, uh, guys who are available and guys who are not you know, battling serious injuries at this moment in time. Washington, on the other hand, actually was not at full strength in this game. They had Spencer Dinwiddie, their second-best player probably, was not playing in this contest. Daniel Gafford also suffered an injury this week and missed this game. Rui Hachimura has been out as well. So that's three guys that they counted on, at least coming into the season, as key pieces that did not play for Washington in this spot. But it didn't matter. They actually played well offensively and did enough defensively in this game. The Hawks were favored. Um, actually, it opened up about Hawks minus two at our friends at AG. It went up to about four in favor of the Hawks because of the injury and, and the absence of Dinwiddie in particular. I think swung that line a little bit, especially with the Hawks having all their guys ended up playing after the injury report came out. So um, it was all breaking toward the Hawks, at least on paper, and that is why games are not played on paper, I suppose. So as we get into it, we'll talk about this more, but sort of as a top-line thought here, the Hawks' defense was just not good enough in this game. Uh, in fact, it wasn't good at all in this game. Washington scored about 1.2 
points per possession in the game, and that is with a pretty shaky fourth quarter from the Wizards' offense. Before that, it was up about 1.3, which is, um, for the uninitiated, very, very bad de- defense. And Washington is a good offensive team. They have a lot of talent on that end of the floor, but still not acceptable defensive performance from the Hawks in this game. And offensively, they were just they were just okay. They weren't great in this game, and that was not enough to carry over for the bad defense. So we'll get into all of that and some individual breakdowns, some takeaways, some observations. Before we get to all that, though, a word from our sponsors on the show today, and the first of which is McDonald's. This episode of the Locked on Hawks podcast is brought to you by McDonald's, and McDonald's has been proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than a place to just get tasty and affordable food. It is much more than that, in fact. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect. It's a place where classmates can come meet for a study group, knowing that they can depend on the Wi-Fi and the endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. It's a place where teams and competitors and home teams and away teams rivals and anybody in between come to recharge and it's a place where you can look forward to stopping on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel mcdonald's has been great for me for a very very long time i'm a fan of all kinds of things on the menu and a sneaky thing for a sports writer slash podcaster like myself is that the dependable wi-fi is a huge huge bonus i can sit there i can eat great food and also work at the same time and i'm always on the go so mcdonald's being all over the place and very convenient and very tasty is a home run for me with all that said, you can head to the local McDonald's right now to refuel and connect. And honestly, it might even be a great spot for a Locked on Hawks watch party. Check out McDonald's today. I'm loving it. Okay, we'll dive in now to sort of the game flow and how this game broke from top to bottom. And honestly, the offense was firing all cylinders in the early going of this game. They scored nine points in the first four possessions of the game. Uh, three easy buckets for Capella, uh, assisted by the Hawks. And then a three by Trey Young. And it continued from there for a while. They had 16 points on their first eight possessions, which is an unbelievable rate of offense, obviously two points per possession. And Washington's defense is not very good. It showed through in that, at that point in time. The Hawks were 7-8 from the floor, six assists. They had a great lob on an inbounds pass from Trey Young to John Collins for a dunk. The Wizards, though, were scoring, which I guess was sort of ominous for the rest of this game. They actually shot very well early on um, before the first timeout, and, and actually the Hawks were up by two points despite all of that offensive barrage. Um... Neither team had a turnover in the first five minutes. It was basically just a lot of uh, pretty easy looks on both ends of the floor. Washington, though, took a lead after a 9-2 run about halfway through the quarter, and that was uh, sort of their uh, their first foray into being in control of this game. Rotationally, they brought in Kevin Herter, Cam Reddish, and Daniel Gallinari together at about the four-minute mark, and then later on in the first quarter, they brought in uh, they brought in DeLon Wright, and Gorgie J made an appearance, and they kind of used those 10 guys until the second half. We'll get into that later on. But uh, Trey Young was passing beautifully early on in this game. He had eight assists in the first nine minutes. They were blitzing him pretty hard, getting the ball out of his hands, and Trey was taking the passes, and guys were making shots, and all of that was uh, looking very good. I thought Trey created a lot of good looks in that first half. Hunter was the, actually the guy they played the most at the outset. You know, usually it's Trey that's sort of the bridge to the second unit. Uh, at least he has been this year so far. They've been playing him uh, occasionally the full quarter. It was Hunter, actually, in this game. It was the last guy to come out of the game. They trailed it by as many as five in the first, and then they actually had back-to-back threes with Reddish and Gallinari, and then Washington answered, take a one-point lead out of the first quarter. The offense was very, very good from the Hawks. 12 assists in the first quarter. A lot of those were Trey Young, of course, but no offensive rebounds, and defensively it was kind of a mess. Um, they started the second quarter with a full bench unit, as they have been doing this season. And Washington, unlike the night before uh, against the Pelicans, Washington took advantage of that. It was a 9-2 to run by the Wizards. Um, last night against the Pelicans, of course, in New Orleans, it was John Collins with the bench. And they actually had a great run with that unit, actually helped them win the game a couple different times in that spot. This time with John Collins in some foul trouble, not, not a ton. They um, you know, they, they kind of rode their normal bench lineup, and it was not very, not very effective. 
I'm trying to say this every single night, but people were asking me about this again. I don't love it. I still don't love the full bench units. I think you got to have a starter or two out there at most of the time. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get bogged down there, but it did not work in this game in terms of that full bench unit. They brought the starters back in after that timeout that um, Nate called when they were down by eight. Um, except for with Reddish instead of Hunter for a while, because Hunter was, again, the last guy to come out in the first half. Um, but anyway, a kind of a bizarre play um, on a hostile act between a player and a referee uh, review was the way that it was described on the television broadcast. Trey Young bumped, bumped into uh, Ben Taylor, the referee, as he ran back up the court, but nothing really there on the replay. I mean, obviously they made, there was some contact, but not a play that struck me as odd really at all, but it was reviewed and they gave him a technical foul, which was kind of a very, very strange play. Bob Rathman on the broadcast, shouts to Bob, friend of the podcast, was baffled as I was. I don't, Dominique was as well. I just didn't understand anything that was going on there. But a technical foul was issued when I at least mentioned that. I'm not really sure what the takeaway, what the takeaway is, but a strange play. There was a nice downhill pass by Capella to Collins for a dunk in transition, but the uh, other than that, it was not very good in this little stretch. They got down as many as 13. It was a uh, 9-2 run, though, by the Hawks to get back within 6, but then right away, back up to 11, basically. They went into the half down by 9 points, and you know, broadly speaking, the offense was pretty solid. Again, about 1.1 points per possession, which is not great, not terrible. Um, they shot the ball well from two-point range in particular in this game. They had 40 points in the paint in the first half. That's a ton. 15 assists. But offensive rebounding was not really there, and the shooting on the perimeter was not there. And then defensively, of course, it was very, very bad. The Wizards dominated the offensive glass. They had 15 second chance points in the first half. That's a ton. In, even in the whole game, that'd be a lot. Um, and then the Wizards also shot the ball decently from three. Bradley Beal had 17 points. There were some times in the first half when they actually didn't have Hunter on him. Um, Hunter was the primary guy, but I think for about a two-minute stretch, it was Bogdanovich, which is which not worked very well at all. I'm not sure what, the, what was going on there, but it was mostly Hunter and then a little bit of Reddish and then some bogey, but I thought that was at least notable that I think multiple possessions in a row, it was Bogdanovich on Beal, not on purpose. Uh, I, I should say on purpose, not exactly on an accident or on a switch. Um, in the second half, though, the first thing that I wanted to mention is that the Hawks were very frustrated by the officiating in this contest. Uh, dating back to the first half, it was not just a second half thing by any means. But Hunter got, Hunter got a tee early in the, in, the sec, early in the second half, and he's not a guy that really chirps a whole lot. McMillan expressed some frustration after the game about how many technical fouls the Hawks got, and he thought they got rattled by the officiating. It seemed like that might have been the case. You know, there, I, I will say it was some pretty poor officiating in this contest, in my opinion. But you can't get too flustered, and that kind of happened, I think, at least according to McMillan, who uh, obviously has a good handle on, on the team. He thought they kind of reacted to that in negative fashion. But the bigger story in the third quarter was the 20-9 overall run by the Wizards to go up by 20. They led this game 84-64 um, with seven minutes to go in the third quarter. And it wasn't over, obviously, but that was a large deficit. Nate called timeout in the middle of that run. And the Wizards had 84 points on 61 possessions. That's about a 135 offensive rating. Um, if you're wondering, an absolutely elite offensive rating, like league leading is like 117-118 last year. Um, so 135 is just insane. And the Wizards are good offensively, but they're, they're not that good offensively. And um, you know, Capella wasn't his usual self defensively in this game, I didn't think, uh, nor was Reddish. And the point of attack defense was pretty bad the entire game. So uh, lots of weirdness there defensively, but that was kind of the low the low point of the whole night, honestly, is when they were down by 20 and uh, the Wizards were just scoring at will, basically. The Hawks did a couple of uh, nice runs, though. Um, in the third quarter to get back in striking distance. They got down to 13 pretty quickly from there, and they just couldn't get stops to get even closer than that. Washington had 93 points with 16 minutes left in the game, and they kind of cooled off from there, but still, uh, it was pretty rough. And then a kind of a weird thing happened, and I, honestly, I'll be honest, I'll take you behind the curtain. 
the audio setup for the post-game Zoom, you know, I'm not traveling with the team, so I'm not in Washington. Um, it was not great on the audio side. I did hear what McMillan had to say, but in terms of being able to ask questions remotely and be able to hear it in real time was not really possible <laughs> on, on this night. So nobody, at least that I saw or heard, asked this question. I'd be curious to know um, why this happened. I have my own thought, and I'll share it with you now. But Lou Williams came in with two minutes left in the third quarter. He had not played the entire game at that point in time. And DeLon Wright did not play the rest of the game. Uh, I, I poked around about an injury for DeLon Wright. I don't think there is one. I think that was just a decision that, that Nate made. And for me, uh, it makes sense. it makes some sense. You know, I'm actually very, very pro DeLon Wright. I thought he was good in this game again. I think he's been playing well this season. But I think the calculus could be, again, it could be because he did not say this. I'm, I'm speculating now. But Lou Williams is a spark plug, obviously. And when you're down double digits at that point in the game, you have to kind of increase your variance. Um, and try to act like the underdog for the most part. And I think Lou Williams is a great example of someone who can win you a quarter and can have 10 points in three minutes, that kind of thing. And it's probably a good time to go ahead and use him. He's already kind of your 11th fan on paper right now. Um, so I'm not sure if that was the reason, but I think that's probably explains what happened there with going to Lou. We'll come back to that because he actually played for a long time, probably too long in my mind, but at least it, did, it sort of made some logical sense to me, but no firm answers right now, at least that I've seen in the uh, post game. Um, at any rate, they got down by 12 at one point and then Washington scored and then Cam turned it over on the, on the final trip. So they're down by 14 points at the end of the third. That's not good, especially because of this. The Hawks shot 64% from the floor in the third quarter and lost the quarter by five points. That is not good. Um, Collins was awesome, played the entire third quarter, by the way, and was great in this game. But the Wizards were great as well. 60% from the floor and 9 of 10 from the line in the third quarter alone. And they were still sporting like a 126, 127 offensive rating through three quarters. Pretty rough stuff there from Atlanta. The Hawks went smaller in the fourth quarter, at least at least for about you know three possessions, basically. I thought that might go that a little bit longer because it's kind of in the same vein as the Lou Williams thing, where when you're down 15, you might want to go to your offense first small ball lineup. And they kind of went to Gallo as, at center for a little while at the beginning of the fourth quarter. They ended up playing Jang for a few minutes, but I thought they might stick with that small ball lineup. Because um, Hunter, Hunter got his third foul though, and he came out, and then Jane came back, and then Jane came in, and they went to Capella very briefly. But actually, he, he ended up sitting down the stretch. So the Hawks got their fourth, fourth offensive rebound of the game with about ten minutes to go. That was pretty rough, but it ends up Lou Williams' hands for after a tap back, he scores, and it's suddenly a ten point game with ten minutes left. So now it's a game again. You, you, you know, you were down by twenty; it was looking pretty bleak. Now it's ten, and you have a chance. They did, though, stick small for a while. Um, they played Lou for a long time. And, and the Wizards, um, I think, struggled mightily to let the Hawks back in this game. But they didn't score for three and a half minutes against a group that had Lou and Gallo on the floor. Uh, that's tough That's tough sledding for Washington. That was kind of their one bad offensive run in the entire game. They finally scored, and then Montrezl Hero got a technical foul for taunting. So it ended up only being worth one point because Gallo made the free throw on the other end of the floor. And then Cam scored. It was a 10-to-1 run overall, and it's a seven-point game. Um, one of the biggest shots of the night, though, happened right after that. Davis Bertans hit a three, put the Wizards back up by 10. That was a big swing, I thought, in favor of Washington. And then Bradley Beal got a dunk, and it was back to 12. So after a timeout by, by Nate at that point, down by 12, they went back to Trey Young and DeAndre Hunter. Probably waited too long in my mind. Um, for instance, Lou Williams played uh, only one stint in the entire game. It was eight straight minutes <laughs> when he came in ice cold. Uh, I understand that he actually had it going a little bit when he came in, but 
I would like to see Trey back in the game a little bit earlier than he came back in. Same with Hunter. Probably didn't cost them too, too much, but just a note. And they actually played small without Capella. So, you know, famously last year, it was a yelling match for like three days after Capella did not close the Brooklyn game early in the season. Uh, there was that, that was, of course, a different regime with Lloyd Pierce. But I thought it was funny tonight to not really see any of that. Um, I thought it was the right decision, just for the record, to not play Capella down the stretch. He was not particularly good in this game. And because the Hawks were trailing by as much as they were, um, it made sense to go small and go offense with guys like Gallo and John at center. But no Capella down the stretch, notable to me, at least in this spot. And then the Hawks did get within five with about four minutes to go on a 7-0 run. It was Cam getting fouled on a three. He made all three of them. Uh, then they got, they got a stop. Collins scored another stop, and then Collins got a dunk. And that was a big swing, too. But then they had a disastrous 30-second period in between timeouts. So they called timeout there. The, the Wizards did. Harrell scores. Trey misses a floater, and then Beal gets a, gets a leak-out dunk. And in literally 30 seconds, it goes from down five to down nine timeout Hawks, and it was never that close again. Um, they got within seven with about 120 to go after a couple of uneven things, but um, the big dagger, officially the dagger in the game, was the Contavious Caldwell-Pope, a local product of Georgia. Hits a dagger three with about a minute to go to go back up by 10, and the Hawks never really threatened from there. So, you know... They got back within five. They got back within seven down the stretch. It was not completely over at that point in time. But uh, getting down by 20 in the third quarter, letting go of the rope a little bit, ends up biting them, and they were never able to sort of get over that hump down the stretch of this contest. All right, that's a lot of information to throw at you, but we'll, get, we'll come back and sort of um, pare it down a little bit with some takeaways that I had from this contest, some observations, and some player breakdowns. But first, a word from our sponsors, and the first of which is Built Bar. With Built Bar, there are so many delicious flavors that there's always something for everyone, and honestly, it's difficult to pick just one. If you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're always passionate about their favorites, but for me, I have more than one, quite frankly. If you don't know all the Built Bar flavors at this point in time, you're absolutely missing out. They have coconut, they have cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, German chocolate, and my personal favorite has to be cookies and cream. It's been that way for a long time, but even with my affection for cookies and cream, there are other options that are honestly just about as good and really they're fantastic for everyone that enjoys Built Bar. In addition to being extremely tasty and Built Bar is extremely tasty, they're also very, very healthy. They have 17 to 18 grams of protein. The calorie range is 130 to 180. They only have four or five grams of sugar and they only have four or five grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors all the way across the board. They're all tasty and they're all healthy. If you order today, they get the grass popper cookie or the raspberry or whatever you like. And if you go to built.com and use the promo code locked on, 15% off your order with Built Bar. Use the promo code locked on, 15% off at built.com. Bet Online is back and better than ever with a new web interface for the start of the basketball season and much more in terms of props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the basketball football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's 50% on your first deposit with betonline.ag if you use the promo code Locked On to receive that bonus. For basketball, football, baseball, postseason stuff, NHL, boxing, UFC, tennis, golf, favorite casino games, and much, much more. Do not wait to take advantage of any of the amazing offers available to you this season because everything that you could want and much, much more is at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Okay, we'll close things up for the game and the week by talking about what transpired in this game overall. Nate McMillan did say after the game, as I sort of teased earlier, that 
They, he thought they never stopped their defense in this game. That was very obvious to me, for sure. Talked about the officiating as well. Uh, the quote was, the officiating can't be a distraction, end quote. And he called it ridiculous to get as many technical fouls as they did in this game. Um, he said that it wasn't the officials that beat them, but rather their play. I think that's all just kind of coach speak stuff, but I think he's also right that defensively, that was really the biggest problem in this game. And I want to at least pass that along from Nate. Um, offensively, I'll, I'll be positive at the outset here. The offense was fine. It wasn't fantastic. But efficiency-wise, it was totally good enough to win this game. They scored about 110 points per 100 possessions, which is like a league average figure. It's not great, and I think against the Wizards' defense, you got to expect a little bit more than that from the Hawks. But overall, you don't, you don't lose. You don't just lose because of that offensive performance. Um, kind of a weird one as well. The Hawks shot 63% on two-point shots in the game, which is obviously an elite figure. They had 68 points in the paint. That's a ton of points in the paint. But they didn't shoot well from the perimeter. Um, 6-21 from, from three, that's not enough attempts or a high enough percentage for my liking. They only took two corner threes in this game, perfectly in the glass. That's a very, very bad sign against a Washington defense that's not very good. And I know when you get to the rim at will, that's obviously a good sign, and you know, two-point shooting percentage is what it is, and the points of the paint are obviously really good, but you need to take more threes than that with the Hawks roster and get more corner threes for sure for efficiency sake. Um, free throw line, also still a problem for the Hawks this season. Last year, they were a top three team in the league in free throw rate offensively. That means getting the line as a percentage of your possessions. This year, they are bottom five, and they took 14 in this game. That's not that's not like a disaster, but it's a very low number overall. It's below average for a game, and it's been a problem to this point. And then the opposite of last night, um, where they dominated the offensive glass against New Orleans, they did not do that in, in this game, to say the least. They got six offensive rebounds, only one in the first half. That's about half of their normal offensive rebound rate in this game. It just wasn't a part of the game for the Hawks, and that's unfortunate because they kind of needed those extra possessions. They didn't really come. So, again, my broad takeaway is that they were good enough to win on offense, but not anything fantastic, and you certainly want a little bit more than what they gave you. And then defensively, it was just terrible, honestly. Um, I don't mean to like say that too strongly, but to give up what they gave, what they gave up in this game to the Wizards, uh, there's some weirdness in the numbers here as well. But a 121 offensive rating for Washington is just bad news. Um, this is the craziest thing. The Wizards did not, have, did not have a single fast break point in this game. Now, there was some transition stuff that maybe not, maybe wasn't marked correctly, but there was no like runouts in this contest. And to score at the level and the efficiency that they did with no fast break points is staggering how bad the half-court defense was for the Hawks in this game. Washington had um, kind of double the rebound rate that the, that the Hawks did in this game. Uh, they were really dominant on the glass, both ends of the floor. They didn't shoot it all that well. 56% true shooting for Washington's like league average. That's not incredible by any means. So you would think that if you held them down to like a semi-decent number, you'd be in good shape. But Washington had 60 points in the paint. That's a ton. They had nine turnovers. So that's very, very low. Uh, they also had the offensive rebound advantage, which we talked about, so the extra possessions. So the point of the point of attack stuff for the Hawks defensively was very bad. Washington got to the line, uh, not necessarily to the line, but into the paint as much as they wanted to for the most part in this game. And then, you know, rim protection-wise, Capella was not very good. Cam was not his normal self, I don't think, defensively in this game. Hunter wasn't fantastic by his standards either. There just wasn't anybody really defensively that played all that well. And I think up and down the roster, that's kind of explains what transpired there. So, um, again, broadly speaking, so-so offense, bad defense is a bad combination, and the Hawks paid for it in this contest. Uh, to the players, before we get out of here, um, the bench was six guys, um, three of which played uh, less than the rest. So, 
Gorgie Jang, seven minutes, had five rebounds. He just is a little, it was a little, was probably a step slow in this game. Didn't make, didn't make a shot from the floor. Did have, five, did have five rebounds, but just you know kind of sparingly used and um, not his best matchup overall against a pretty quick Wizards team, kind of a smaller team as well. Uh, Lou Williams had a nice stretch for eight eight minutes, five point three three rebounds, actually a plus four when he played. Again, I think he probably played a minute or two too long, but that's not his fault. I think he uh, you know credit to him. It's really hard to come off the bench when you've not played in two and a half quarters. Like most of the time, barring injury or foul trouble, a guy that plays in the first, the guy that does not play in the first half will not play in the second half. That's generally the 95% of the time kind of rule. In this game, Lou did not play, but he stayed ready and he was ready to go when he came in and played well. He's a pro and he did his job in this game. DeLon Wright was also just fine when he played. Uh, I thought he was just his normal, adequate self. Um, didn't play in the second half. I think that's, uh, you know, again, no explanation, as I said before, but uh, doesn't doesn't bother me too much. Those guys are kind of, you know, both veterans, very, they're both different players, and you kind of have options there if you're McMillan. Uh, Kevin Herter was shaky in this game, to say the least. Uh, did not score. Three assists, two rebounds, only 14 minutes. That's definitely the biggest thing that I took away from this game is they kind of went away from Herter, um, which is, you know, explainable when you talk about the way that he played. Uh, he struggled so far this year. Uh, I saw some people, like, lamenting the contract after tonight. I would not go that far because even if you were to ignore the playoffs, like there was one diatribe that I saw in my mentions about how Herter, you know, fooled them by the playoffs and all this stuff. Even if you were to remove the playoffs, uh, Kevin Herter has been considerably better uh, like last regular season than he's been this year. So I don't think the playoffs were like, you know, even if you think they were a mirage and I really don't, um, it wouldn't necessarily matter with regard to the contract. But so far, through five games, he's not been great. So that's worth pointing out. He's not he's not shooting the ball well. He's not been terribly aggressive. And hopefully he'll find it in the near future. But it's worth knowing he was not very good in this game. Gallinari, 18 minutes as well. That's obviously less than he played the night before. It is a back-to-back, and he hadn't played. So uh, it's kind of strange to start your season off with a back-to-back, as Gallo is doing, because he did not play until last night. So I'm not really sure what to make of that. But six points. Didn't do a whole lot defensively. He was pretty shaky there, as he often is, but we'll leave that there for now. And Reddish was the only guy offensively off the bench that was productive. He had 20 points on 16 shooting possession, which is actually quite efficient. Um, better on twos than threes in this game, which is the opposite of what he's been so far this year. He was 7 of 9 on twos. That's, a, that's an encouraging figure. 1 of 5 on threes. Got to the line four times. I thought Cam was probably the best he's been offensively. Um, this season, which I know is uh, he did not get the kind of attention in this game that he has in a couple of other upper games. I think he played better offensively in this game than the other ones. He was more uh, more decisive. The shot quality was better. The shot selection was better in my mind. Um, did have four turnovers and no assists, which continues to be a little bit of a question mark for Cam. It's like I think he has two assists and nine turnovers or something like that coming in. Maybe, uh, oh, no, sorry, he had two last night. So I think he's up to like four and ten, something like that for the season. Uh, it's not great. With, through that lens, but in terms of just the shot making, providing that punch off the bench, I've actually thought Cam was good offensively. I will say though, defensively, it was probably his worst game of the season. So a bit of a trade off. Like again, even even when he's not good by his standards defensively, he, he doesn't really kill you. But I thought he was not particularly attentive in this game. Didn't have the playmaking that he's had uh, in other games. So I'm not piling on. Like I said before, defensively, basically everyone was bad in this game. But normally Cam is like one of the brighter spots. I think he was. I think he was kind of just uninspired. Defensively, but again, very, very good offensive night for Cam. A lot to be encouraged by there. Um, of the starters, Capella was probably the worst according to his normal baseline. Did have 11 points, um, but scored six points in the first like minute and a half, and kind of did nothing the rest of the game offensively. And then defensively, he was as bad as I've seen him in a while, honestly. And same thing as sort of said with Cam is that even Capella's bad defensively is not like horrible by any means, but did not have an impact defensively in this game. And the Hawks needed him in a big way. 
So we'll leave that there for now. But he'll, he'll have better nights, you would hope. Kind of a bad matchup for him in the same way I said was with Gorky Jang, but not his best defensively. Um, Bogey was more aggressive, took 11 shots, 14 points and 11 shots um, for him, four assists, six rebounds. I thought he was better offensively in this game than he has been, but five fouls defensively, not not very good from him. Uh, Hunter was kind of just uh, anonymous, not in a terrible way, but just kind of uh, was out there. Uh, 10 points, nine, nine shot attempts, four rebounds, um, one assist, no steals, no blocks, three fouls, just kind of a so-so night and not the greatest from Hunter. Um, the brightest spot, honestly, of all is Collins, so we'll save him for last. Trey Young, 15 points, 13 assists, did have two steals and a block in 35 minutes, but it was 6 of 17 from the floor, 1 of 5 from 3, so not efficient at all as a scorer. And the assists, like he had 9 in a hurry and then kind of slowed down, slowed down from there. I would have brought him back earlier in the fourth quarter, but uh, he was not good defensively in this game. So overall, you know, not, not his best, but not his worst, and obviously some highs, some lows. But the fourth quarter was not his uh, not his finest hour in terms of his normal baseline. And then John Collins, who I thought was awesome yet again. 38 minutes for Collins, and that's with him actually coming out of the game early with foul trouble in the first half once again. Um, but 38 minutes is a season high by a lot, and he earned it. 28 points, 12, 12 rebounds, 3 assists, 14 of 16 from the floor. That's a lot. And no three-point attempts. So it was all around the rim. Uh, it was that mid-range stuff a little bit as well, but he was just active and fierce and in shape and playing hard. Um, only credited him for being in shape this season and all that stuff. Um, defensively, I don't think it was his absolute best. He was kind of lumped in with everybody else because I have a hard time finding a defensive bright spot individually in this game. But uh, Collins was definitely their best offensive player overall. You know, Trey makes the uh, makes this, the team go quite clearly offensively, but Collins was great offensively, and he continues to play at a very, very high level. His efficiency numbers are off the charts. And uh, a good night from him overall. Okay, that's enough of that for now. But uh, you know, you know, again, defensively they're gonna have to be better on this next uh, this next stretch of games. I teased it with Zach Hood earlier this week. We'll talk about it again now. They have Friday off to travel back. Um, not not travel back. I should travel to Philadelphia because they play in Philly on Saturday. And Philly is in a state of flux without Ben Simmons. But a tough a tough game to be sure. Philadelphia is still talented. You know, Joel Embiid is uh, still a player that is quite good. Um, he's battling some injury stuff right now, but he ended up playing tonight on Thursday, so I expect him to play. He had thirty and eighteen against the, against Pistons tonight, so if he plays, they're still pretty good. Um, that's a, that's a, that's definitely a test on the road. But more than that, the Hawks basically have one semi favorable matchup in the next two and a half weeks. Every, everything else is definitely a challenge. So you're at Philly on Saturday. Then you come home for Washington, which is the easiest game on paper, but Washington just beat you um, on this on this night we're talking about. And then you go at Brooklyn, home Utah, at Phoenix, at Golden State, at Utah, at Denver, and then home for Milwaukee. So a grueling, grueling schedule coming up for the Hawks. We'll see how they fare. We will learn a lot about them, I'm sure, during this stretch. Hopefully everybody's healthy and uh, competitive along the way. But they'll have to regroup in a hurry here after this loss. Nothing to be worried about too, too much. I, you know, Coming into the night, actually, the Hawks were a top-five defense in the league by the numbers. And they played a favorable schedule in terms of opposing offenses. You know, Detroit, Cleveland, Zionless, New Orleans, those teams are all bad offenses. So that's definitely worth pointing out. But... Uh, the sky's not falling defensively, which is not their best night, and uh, we'll get into this now. But you, you know they're three and two. Uh, it's not the worst thing in the world if they uh, hit the ground running beginning in Philadelphia. Then things would be a lot more encouraging, and we'll get into all of that as we always do in the podcast. Um, 
Thank you for listening. As always, everybody, if you're a new listener, please take a moment, if you enjoyed the podcast, to subscribe to the show on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. Please leave positive ratings as well and reviews and feedback. Please tweet at us if you'd like to or follow us on Twitter at LockedOnHawks. You can follow me on Twitter at BTRoland. I am... uh, going to have the rest of the weekend off until the game so that I will have a new podcast after the game on Saturday night, which also happens to be a World Series game, so it'll be a busy night for me, but lots of content to come in this space, and you can always get it immediately if you subscribe to the show. So thank you as always for listening, everybody, and we'll see you after the game on Saturday night.